welcome to this week's teaching from Exchange Church in the heart of Belfast. Are you hungry to get into the Word this morning? Good. It's a good time to be in God's presence because, as Maggie says, no matter the size of your wave, no matter what is going on, it's always a good time to hear about what God says about it, to hear what he says about the battles that you face, the things that come against you, the expected waves and also the unexpected. So it's a very good time if you are facing any form of storm or wave or unexpected situation, you're in the right place to hear what God says about it. Over the last couple of weeks, we have been talking about stepping into the promise of God. We've been talking about when the waters come up around your ankles, like in the people in Joshua going into the promised land, what do you do when it feels like that, when you're unsure of how this is going to go? We have talked about seeing the presence of God, so seeing the ark moving into the waters first, and then you follow it, okay? You wait for what Jesus is going to do. You wait for his presence to go with you, and that's when you move. But the key thing is we've talked about is in the moving, in trusting God, in mixing it with faith and going, okay? Now, we're doing that this year. As you all know, in exchange, we are moving home, and we don't know where to, and that is so exciting and could be terrifying, but we trust God, okay? But there's that is the image for us in exchange, but for you in your life, it's like, what does that mean for me? That's what we've talked about over the last few weeks in the book of Joshua. And I suppose I want to ask you that question of what do you do when you face a situation where you don't have enough resource to deal with it, you don't have the strength to deal with it, you don't feel able to tackle it, whenever you have a threat or a perceived threat in your life, how do you deal with it? Whenever you come up against giants, because the Israelites still had to face their giants, it may have taken them 40 years, but they still had to walk into the land. So what God says today is, how do you face a giant? Are you ready to deal with it? And if you don't feel ready, how do you respond? And actually, the key is going to be in responding in terms of what grace says about you, in terms of what God says about your situation, and you respond in that strength. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to find Jesus in the text that we're going to talk about. And we're going to face some of our fears and the things that make us tempted to fear. And we're going to do that from the story of David and Goliath. So most of us will know the story of David and Goliath. So I'll not need to go over all of the detail, but I'm going to bring out some points that you maybe haven't seen before. See, fear causes a reaction in you, a perceived threat, a threat, a danger, an unexpected situation will cause some form of reaction. And we see that in the book of Numbers 13, whenever the Israelites come face to face with the promised land. Remember we talked about this with the spies, the 12 spies go in and they have a different report. But we see it in Numbers 13, verse 33. It says their report was, this is the 10 spies, we saw the Nephilim, the sons of Anak, who had come from the Nephilim. This is giants. And so we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, and so we seemed to them. So they clearly say, we are afraid what we have seen in the natural, we cannot deal with this. We don't have the strength. We don't have the ability. And actually, in our own sight, we're this size. And actually, oh, by the way, and in their sight, we're probably this size too. But the key thing was how they saw themselves in light of the threat and in light of the difficulty. So that's what we see with the Israelites. And the Israelites have a history of this. They are world-class at failing when God says he's going to be with them. He's, they're very, very good at not trusting God in the moments when he says, you really should trust me because like, I've saved you many times before. And they seem to fail 
at hurdle at hurdle, but yet God is still gracious to them. He still maintains his covenant. So you and I are not so different. In the middle of our mess, in the middle of our difficulties, he says, I will sustain, maintain my covenant with you even when you come up against these things that you can't control, you don't know if you can face them. And time and time again, God will give you the opportunity to face them. So our body will react to threats in a variety of different ways, okay? And this is called the stress response. Now, some of you have heard this before. Perceived threats, fear, trauma, perceived danger in a variety of ways. Now, naturally, the body stress response, it's triggered. It's, it's technically a defense mechanism where you will have psychological, biological reactions to stimulus that's happening in front of you, a situation, a perceived threat. And what this reaction psychologically or biologically will do is to help you respond in the most effective way to that threat. The common responses are fight or flight or freeze. They're the three that are widely known. Now, there is a fourth, which is called fawn, which I'll talk a little bit about. But fight or flight, we've, we've heard of fight or flight, right? Yeah, we've heard of that. Fight is this idea of you deal with threats a bit more aggressively. Do you know, you tackle it head on. Physiologically, you'll have like increased heart rate. You may find that you are, have a rush of adrenaline. This can lead to like anger. It can lead to lashing out, hypervigilance, being easily agitated. But it's usually in the survival. It's like, think of all these extraordinary feats where people, such as myself, would lift like cars off people. Do you know, like whenever someone's in danger, do you know, just picture the scene. Do you know, like, do you know where they have this rush of adrenaline, they tackle it head on, they have this, that's what the fight stimulus would be. Flight's a little bit different. Flight is where literally you run away from the threat. I can't deal with it. I've got to protect myself. I've got to save myself. And that's, I, I just can't go there. That would be like panicking, removing yourself from stressful situations, walking away, not dealing with conflict. That's the flight response. The freeze is literally the body shutting down. Like, I just, I have nothing to do with this. Like, I can't run away from it. I can't face it. And it just shuts down. Now, in like animalistic terms, that would be like an animal just lying, playing dead, hoping that the bigger animal's not going to eat it. Like, like, he'll not see me. Do you know, like, if I just don't deal with this, the situation, it'll not, hurt, it'll not hurt me. But that is not actually really a way to deal with things long term. It's just a way of trying to make sense of a situation. Fawn's a little, fawn is a little bit different in that it's more like not being able to set boundaries with people, not being able to say no. Like, that's that kind of response you're led to giving something away of yourself in a situation because you can't face it head on. But the three are widely recognized. So the body will ready itself for fight or flight before assessing if it needs to freeze or needs to fawn or needs to give something of itself. Now these responses, they can be triggered by everyday occurrences. They can be triggered by huge events, traumatic events. It can be a variety of things. Such as fight response would be road rage. Like nobody here has road rage. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Like nobody has road rage. Nobody gets angry in traffic. Like that's, that literally can happen. Everyday things. It can be emergencies. It can be any, any sorts of things. But ultimately, it's a defense mechanism to help you respond, to help you stay safe, to help you take a bit of time to understand the threat or the perceived threat. But the danger comes when you live in one of these states for too long. Okay, you are meant to be there just to give you a bit of clarity and then to move on to assess the situation and to do what God says in that situation. Being in that state for too long is just incredibly dangerous. Now, I have an experience where I, I, I 
experienced all three of these states. It was whenever I was a student, a budding young man trying to make his way in life, and I was doing my shopping in Tesco in Scotland, where I lived, and it dawned on me after I've walked home, I've done my shopping, I have my salmon, my potatoes, healthy student, you see, uh, no steak, because I couldn't afford it, um, had my eggs and all sorts of stuff. And as I'm, as I'm getting home and meandering to my flat, I sat down on the worktop what was, and I couldn't quite believe I'd done this, my basket and my items <laughs> that I hadn't bought I hadn't paid for, I hadn't even attempted to go to the checkout. Like, I, this is what happens when you're a student. You're, that's why we go to uni, because we're actually just really thick, right? Do you know, like, I walked home, right, with my basket of my full shop, like, not in any bags or anything. Like, I'd walked home with my basket and into my flat, right, lads, and just set my basket. And only at that point did I go, oh, no, I've stolen all these items. I have literally stolen my whole shop accidentally stole my entire shop. I couldn't, like, you're probably thinking, are you lying? No, no, like, this actually happened, right? And I set it there, probably about 40 quid's worth of shopping, like, because I can carry that much in a basket, you see. So, and I set it there, and I experienced freeze, like, for what felt like about half an hour. I was like, I, I, like, what do you do about this? Do you know what I mean? Like, what do you do? But then I thought, no, no, I, like, the fight response would be me walking into Tesco and going, you let me steal this shopping. Like, you let me walk out with all this shopping. Like, that was, I thought, oh, maybe I'll do that. Maybe that works, right? The other response which came second was the flight response. My four friends who I live with, lads, we got to move. We got to go. Like, we have, like, we can't go back to Tesco. We have to get out of Stirling. We have to get out of Scotland. I got to go back to Northern Ireland. Like, that's, and I had this, like, state of fear and panic. And eventually, we got to sort it out. Don't worry, I didn't get lifted or anything. But, you, when you experience these states, and I experienced those states for long after the event because I couldn't quite believe what had happened, it's not healthy, it's not helpful. And the, the thing is, the body will react to threats, perceived threats, small everyday occurrences, or large events. And we see it very, very clearly in the story of David and Goliath. So I'll give you the context of the story of David and Goliath. After the period of inconsistent judges being appointed in the land. So they ruled for 40 years, give or take. Inconsistent, Israel serving God, then not serving God, then serving God, then not serving God. They eventually ask God for a king. Now God honors their request and says, if this is what you want, fair enough, I'll give you a king. And he gives them King Saul. King Saul's raised up and he is anointed. But what we know about Saul is eventually he has some major character flaws, okay. And the anointing to be king leaves him and David is anointed. So in 1 Samuel 16, David's anointed, although he's not king yet in the chapter where Goliath comes along. And the story is King Saul and Israel are facing their long-standing enemy, the Philistines. And Goliath comes out and he is the giant. He is descended from the Nephilim. And he stands as champion, calling out the Israelites for someone to fight him. As you know the story, David comes down to the battle and his brothers are there. He's then the one who questions what Goliath's doing. Everybody else is terrified from Goliath. And he comes down, you know the story. He asks what will be done. He fights Goliath. He cuts off his head. Great story. God delivers him. That's, we know that, right? We know most of the story. But out of his own fear, Saul has promised whoever kills Goliath, 
He'll give them money. He'll give them his daughter in marriage. He gives them all these sort of promises, which in and of itself is a bit of a fawn response because Saul is panicking and Saul is in fear. And then out of God's strength, he steps out, kills Goliath. But what's really interesting in this story, and we'll, we'll go into a little bit of it, is that the text emphasizes the disparity between how big Goliath is, how large he is, how significant, how it's such an impossible situation that David is facing, not just Israel, that David faces, because it highlights how incredibly terrifying Goliath is, but also how insignificant David is. He's young, he's the youngest of his family, he's small, he's ruddy, like he shouldn't be where he is. So the text does this over and over and over again. And the Philistines in of themselves were vicious, like they were long-standing enemies of Israel, so much so, I don't know if you know this, whenever God delivered the people out of Egypt, he actually said, I'm not taking them the direct route because it's through Philistine territory. And if they know war this early on, they won't make it because they'll panic and they'll be fear. So that's why God took them over the Red Sea. So this is who Israel are dealing with here. It's not that God can't do anything in this situation, but he knew that the Israelites would not be able to face them. He knew the effect it would have. Goliath was over nine feet tall. His armor was of the highest caliber. It was his, his armor coat would have weighed about eight and a half stone, 55 kilos would have just been his, his coat of armor. His spear alone, would, the, the head of the spear was about six kilos, just under a stone. So that's the, the size that you're working with here. It, and it highlights just that. He's got a helmet of bronze. He's got his massive spear. David, on the other hand, so young. It is this picture of an impossible situation. And I want you to just be challenged here this, this morning, this afternoon, is that God brings impossible situations into your life. He will allow them to be, not so that you can hide away from them, but so you can open up and say, God, where you bring the impossible, that's where the breakthrough is, okay? And this is what this story is about. So it highlights just how big this situation is. And we have in 1 Samuel 17, verse 8 to 11, it says, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, why do you come out and line up for battle? Like, what's the point? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man, choose a champion, and have him come down to me. If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. And on hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and were terrified. Now, Goliath had sowed seeds of doubt and fear by his, his presence, by what he looked like, by his history. This was the Philistines. And his presence was intimidating. It made the Israelites question their own strength. And this is really important because anytime you face a situation that's impossible, what the enemy will do is he will highlight the disparity between you and him. He will highlight how large he may seem or the situation may seem. And he'll highlight you and your own strength. And he'll highlight and say, you have no chance. And actually, it's a really clever tactic because the tactic is about getting your eyes off God and onto yourself, which was never the plan to begin with, okay? But the enemy will make you think that that's significant. The enemy will make, it, make you think that it's significant, that you're insignificant. He will make you think, oh, I don't have the strength to face you, therefore I can't. But the plan was never about that anyway. The plan was always about God's strength in you. So the enemy's really, really clever on that and that he will do that. And it's, it's, the, it's the spirituality behind it. Every battle you face is spiritual. 
every battle you face, whatever you're going through at the moment, whatever your situation is, whatever your health's like, your finances, whatever's going on, if God has promised something, he will bring it about, but the enemy will try and attack that. And he will remind you of your own inability to overcome him. And he'll make you think that that's important, but actually it's not important. And this is what we'll see. The Israelites will have experienced those glorious stress responses. That's what they showed. They showed for 40 days, they froze. Nobody was sent out to fight Goliath, not a single person. They fled when Goliath came out, it said as well. Anytime he stood out among the ranks, they fled as well. And they completely froze out. Nobody took on this challenge. Even Saul, whom the challenge was aimed at, because he was the largest of the Israelites, he was king, it was more or less a challenge to him. He saw it as a death sentence. There's no way I can face this. And what we see is others, like David's eldest brother, when David comes down, they actually lash out at David because of their own fear. Whenever David says, who's going to fight him? His brother lashes out at David and accuses him of being nosy and he's down there for other reasons. That's a fight response. It's a lashing out, just whatever you do to manage your own fear. And this is what we do as well in our own lives. See, when fear is uncovered in your life, this is what happens with David's brother, what happens with Saul. Saul offers his daughter, David's brother lashes out. When it's uncovered, you have to resist the urge of lashing out at God. God uncovers it for a reason in your life. He uncovers fear in a reason because he wants to deal with it, okay? And this is what was key for David because David would have experienced lots of different feelings here. Your stress response, the Israelites very much would have experienced all of this. It's a signal, as I said, to keep you alive, to keep you focused on high alert but to make, percents, make sense of a perceived threat. This is really important, okay? Because your brain can't tell the difference between a real threat and a perceived threat, okay? It will just think that anything that could be a threat is a threat, all right? Now, you're not fighting for survival on Monday to Friday during your week. At least I hope you're not, because if you are, like, we need to help you out with that, okay? You're not fighting for physical survival, you know, against enemies, but you are fighting stuff in your life. Everybody is fighting something. Everybody's facing something. But your reactions to this is about giving you clarity. Is this a real threat, or is this just my perception that it's a threat, okay? And this is what God wants to help you with. So, in my adventures of um, the wheelie bin life, um, you know, you know it's going to come up. Uh, I can't believe I keep talking about this, but um, there is such a thing as physiologically your body reacts to the cold water, as you'll all know, because you've all practiced it. So you, you start to go into the water. You don't want to do it. You experience a freeze response because your brain goes, this is a threat. This is going to hurt. This is uncomfortable. You don't want to do this, okay? I call it uh, pre-wheelie bin confusion. Uh, it's, um, it's a real phenomenon. But what happens when you're out of the wheelie bin, you've done your five, six minutes, whatever, you feel great, you feel alive, dopamine, it's wonderful, try it, right? Uh, you then have what's called that sort of post-wheelie bin clarity. You know, you just know that it was a good idea. But it's incredible how you've done something so many times, and this is a point for you guys, because I know you don't actually do the wheelie bin stuff, but we deal with situations time and time and time again in our lives, and I do the wheelie bin stuff often, but time and time and time again, my brain will tell me this isn't going to be good. This is going to hurt. You're not going to be able to do it. You won't be able to manage it. We are not so different, you and I, because we experience many different stimuli, many different situations where we may have faced it in the past, but we face it again in the future, and we go, oh, I'm not so sure about that. And God wants to come and say, I want to deal with the root issue so that when you come up against the next battle in your life, you will be able to determine, I'm coming through this because what he did in the past, he was faithful, okay? And this is the key with David. So, it's a, your stress response is there, a signal to keep you alive. 
But instead of what we do, which is instead of letting them inform us, give us clarity, sometimes what we do is we allow them to dictate our future decisions. We allow how we're feeling about any given situation to dictate how we should act, how we should believe, what we should think about it in the future. And sometimes we allow our feelings to tell us what the truth is of what God can do. You see, the Israelites, as I said, they were world-class at allowing their stress response to dictate their action, to dictate what they could believe. When you live out of fear, when you live from that stress response mentality, you do give away a part of yourself. You live to a lesser, lesser standard than what God has for you. And this is where the story of David is so important because he stands up in the middle of the 40 days from Goliath and says, no more. No more are my people, are we going to face this threat? And God wants to challenge you today that no more do you have to be enslaved by things that give you fear. No more do you have to be frozen or wanting to flee from it. You can tackle whatever situation you have head on in God's strength to trust him. So we are no different. We're not fighting for survival, but often what we do is we view our problems and our circumstances in light of their physical appearance. And we go, actually, that is too big for me to handle. And the truth is, it is too big for you to handle, but you were never meant to handle it on your own anyway. And this is exactly what Goliath and the enemy will try and do time and time again. He will say that how you feel is truth, but actually your feelings, they're just an indicator of how you perceive and interpret your reality, okay? They will reveal the position of your thoughts, but they're not necessarily the truth of what God can do in your life, okay? So symptoms of physical health your bank balance, your relational difficulties, they are not necessarily the truth of what God can do in your future. They are symptomatic and they are there in front of you, but they're not God guiding you into all truth. That's why we require faith to say, God can turn this around for me because I believe it. We need a different lens. We need a different lens to see ourselves not like the Israelites have done time and time again, which is like grasshoppers in their own sight. We need to change the lens and change the narrative about what you've told yourself about situations. So, Goliath terrorizes Israel for 40 days until David steps up and says, no more. The number 40 signifies the time of testing, trial, difficulty. And some of you today, I declare prophetically over you, you've had your time of testing, it's done. And God stands in front of you and says, no more do you have to face this in your own strength. You stand, and it starts with your standing, church. It starts with you saying, I am going to stand in God's strength, and I'm not going to allow the Goliath in my life to continue time and time and time and time again to terrorize me. So it's time to stand this morning and time to say, I trust you, God. You see, sometimes what we do is we allow those things time and time and time again to happen to us. We either have a flight response of I can't deal with that or a freeze response. I don't even want to go there. But what you, what you tolerate, as the Israelites did for Goliath for 40 days, you can't have testimony in the things that you're tolerating, okay? You can't overcome the things that you're deciding, I'll just let that be. So there's a part of you that is what God is fighting for you in your life, but there's a part of you who's got to partner with him in this, okay? So anything that God's bringing up for you now, it could be anything at all, situations, insecurities, your own anxiety, your own fear about the future. He says to you, let's deal with it because you can't fix what you won't face, church, okay? And David made the decision, I'm facing this on behalf of everyone else. Everybody else may think it's too big, they're too insignificant. David in his physical presence was insignificant, 
But he said, I'm facing it in faith. I'm facing it in God's strength. And that's what we need to do in our situations. Some of you need to hear that simply surviving your circumstances is not God's intention for your life. His intention is that you overcome. I'll say that again for you. Some of you think that simply surviving is God's intention for your life. His intention for your life is to overcome every situation, every obstacle, every enemy. Do you hear me, church? That's what his heart is for you, that you overcome it. That no matter your history, no matter your circumstance, no matter what you've experienced, that you will have a testimony from it where you can say he was good to me. He worked in my life. He built faith in me. I am on the other side of this situation. That enemy, that giant is no more in my life. Unlike the Israelites who round and round and round again, they had to go 40 years before they actually attempted to walk into the land. God says, let's deal with some stuff, okay? Fear is, whatever it is, is what stands between you and your future, okay? It's not your health issues. It's not your financial. They're not your relational. They're not the issues that stand in the way of you and your destiny. It's your perception of what they, have, what they are and what you feel about them and what you've told yourself about those circumstances, okay? Because we all have circumstances. We all have stuff that's going on, but it will never derail the promise of God in your life. Your interpretation of what's happening will stop the promise of God in your life. If you believe that you can't face it, God can't deal with it. You don't have the strength. I don't have the resource, Adam. It's too difficult. If you turn away from it, that freeze, that flight mentality, then God can't be glorified in it. Because any giant, and I was meant to say this later on, but any giant is actually, your next giant is your next memorial stone, folks. Okay? Remember the Israelites? They made memorial stones at the end after the Jordan, whenever they crossed the Jordan. Your next giant is your next memorial stone where you can look back and go, God dealt with that in my life. And now every time I hear about it, every time I think about it, I remember what he did for me and he brought me through it and he'll bring me through the next one and the next one because look at that one there. That giant's dead now. So I can move on to the next one. Do you hear me, church? This is truth for your life. And this is dealing with some of the deep issues. And listen, it is not God finger blaming or pointing and blaming. It's not about that. It's about God saying, I'm putting my finger on some stuff here because I want to free you. I want you to walk into fullness so that you are not enslaved by anything in your life anymore. This is what this story is about. This is not just about something thousands of years ago that David, thankfully, yeah, he stood and fought Goliath and it was wonderful. No, this is about fear and what the enemy tries to do time and time again in your life. The weapons of our warfare, as it says in 2 Corinthians, are not of the flesh, but they have divine power to bring down strongholds. You stand here with the Spirit of God in your life in every and any situation. Don't see with your physical eyes. David was physically small and had no business being on that battlefield. No business at all. But he trusted in the anointing on his life. He trusted in what God had put in him. Trust again what God's put in you to deal with whatever situation you walk in, okay? This is the truth. We, that's, that's our spiritual weapons are that. We are against principalities and powers of darkness. Folks, you know that. There's an enemy out there who has no claim on your future, by the way. He has no claim on your righteousness. You are righteous, holy, blameless. But if he can get your eyes off your situation in terms of what God can do, and if he puts it back onto your own strength, then that's where we let fear in. It's not about our strength. It's always about his strength. So in steps David, young David, and decides that I'm putting a stop to this. 
I'm deciding today that I'm not going to experience fear. He says in verse 32, and this is really interesting. He says, let no man's heart fail because of him, because of Goliath. Let no man's heart fail. Your servant, David, I'll go and fight this Philistine. No matter the history, no matter how big it is, no matter how insignificant I may feel, I am making the decision that I will go and fight him and let no one lose heart. Remember I said a few weeks ago, I think it was talked about last week as well, that being ready is not a feeling, it's choice. Being ready is a choice to walk into your future and say, I'm dealing with that in your strength, God, because that's what you've put in me. So David decided, let no man's heart fail. If we could just throw that up again, actually. Now, this word for fail, I've talked about the word for heart, which is the deep-seated emotion, that will in us. But actually, the word fail comes from the Hebrew word nafal, and it means to fall, for something to fall, for something to give up. Now, the interesting thing about this is it is the same root word, nafal, as for giant, nephilim, nafal, to fall. So what he is really saying here is let not your heart fall because of him. He's the one who's going to fall. He is the one who's going to tumble and crumble, and that's what you'll see. So let not your heart fall. No, let him fall, because by nature, by definition, he will fall. By definition, he's the one that we'll have victory over. We will overcome him by definition. So I encourage you, church, let not your heart fall in your situations. Let not your heart sink because of your physical reality. Lift up your eyes and go, by definition, my next giant is my next victory. My next giant is the one that will fall. I can give him all of the glory. Do you believe this, church? Because it's true. It's absolutely true. And all of our feelings will want us to react in a fight, flight, or freeze response to deal with our enemies. But actually, it's to give you a bit of clarity to go, okay, what am, what am, I, what am I emotions telling me about this situation? Okay, what does God say about this situation? This situation? He says that let not your heart fall. The good news is David was strong and courageous. Now, Joshua was told, be strong and courageous. And we read that and go, that's great, God. How do I be strong and courageous? That's wonderful. He tells Joshua three times. And every time I read that in Joshua, and I go, yeah, so what do we do? How do we, how do we get courageous? You know, that would be really good. Do I just tell myself to be courageous? How do I do it? Because David makes a decision. You'll be glad to know this is not just extraordinary feats for extraordinary people. Courage can be practiced. And there's a lot of neuroscience on this, which will talk about how courage in and of itself is this willingness to act in the middle of fear and adversity. And actually, you can improve it by managing the fear and anxiety, but it goes beyond feeling. So what is said in neuroscience is that to be more courageous is to reframe the narrative that you've told yourself about what you're experiencing. Because victory starts in your mind. Victory starts in here. Victory is the primary way that you interact with God in your, in your mind. Sorry, is the primary way you interact with God in here. So that's where the victory starts. The victory for David started in his mind way before he got his stones and used his sling. Way before that. It started in his mind. And what neuroscience will say is that there are two competing parts of your brain, the amygdala that drives fear along with the stress response that you have, and then one of the other cortex areas, which is the part that suppresses fear. Now, what information will tell us that when you consciously activate this cortex, 
you will be able to suppress fear. And what the way you do it is you make the voluntary decision to move, the voluntary decision to act despite your fear. Despite your feeling, you make the decision to move. Now, what will that look like for you in terms of your finances, your health, and in terms of what God says about you? It's about voluntarily acting and moving. It's the will to act it talks about. The will to act, what it looks like is it's Jesus in the garden of the Gethsemane when he is sweating drops of blood and all of his feeling and emotion is saying, I don't know about this. God, if, if you can take this cup from me, the will to act is, but I want your will and I'm going anyway. The will to act is Peter, step out on the water, even though it looks like you're going to sink, but he steps out anyway. The will to act is whenever the doctors tell you a certain diagnosis and you go, but I'm trusting in what Jesus tells me. And it's going to the word and opening it up and go, well, what do you say about this? The will to act is despite what you feel, you decide I'm going to look at another reality here. That's what the will to act is. And the feelings will come. They are going to be there. Newsflash, and this is great news for you. David was slightly afraid. Let me help you with this. Does the passage say it? No, but I know it because he's a human. And he experienced physiological reactions to any threat. His heart rate would have been through the roof. He would have been feeling all sorts of things. He would have been hypervigilant when he's going to face Goliath. But he decided, I'm going anyway because of what God has put in me. That's what we do. And you make the will to act in the middle of the situation, not based on what you feel, but based on what God has said. That's how you deal with the perceived threats. What you are prepared to face in your life, and some of you have decided you haven't had the strength to face that area yet. God's coming to say, I want to give you fresh strength to face this area, to face this circumstance. What you are prepared to face is in direct correlation to how much you're going to grow, okay? How much you're prepared to face, the size of the giant you're prepared to face, to stare down and trust God, will be direct correlation to how much you're going to grow and how much you're going to see more of God and more of his goodness. So there's a challenge in that you're not going to do the fighting necessarily, and I'm going to come on to this in my last 10, 15 minutes, but you partner with God and you trust and you make the will to act. The will to act of whenever... Abraham was told to go somewhere and he didn't know where he was going, but he went anyway because God said. The will to act when Moses was given a staff and God said, listen, point it out toward the Red Sea and Moses is probably thinking, are you mad? Okay, let's do it anyway. And he did it anyway and the Red Sea parts. That's the will to act based on what God has spoken over your life. When you stand in a situation that overwhelms you, that you feel outnumbered, you feel powerless, you feel completely out of sorts. See, when you stand there in the middle of it and say, God, I'm feeling all sorts of emotions here. I'm upset, I'm angry, I'm bitter, I'm disappointed, I'm struggling with this right now, but I trust you in the middle of it and I say that you haven't failed me yet, therefore you're not going to fail me now. See, when you do that, God is pleased and you are strengthened in the middle of it. You are strengthened. And the enemy will say, just let life happen to you. Just see what happens and you'll just deal with it as best you can. No, God says, stand up, lift your eyes up and trust him for your future because that's who he is. That's what David experienced. And his courage came not from, his, actually his courage didn't come from a confirmation that God was gonna help him defeat Goliath. 
let me help you with that. He didn't have a crystal ball as such. He wasn't told by an angel, you're going to defeat Goliath. This is really key for some of you. He wasn't told this is going to happen. He knew his confidence came from his past of what God has done before. This is so important for some of you because you don't know how the future's going to work out. I don't know how the future's going to work out. I haven't seen into the future, but I can by faith because of what happened in the past. And this is what David says in 1 Samuel 17, 33 to 37. Saul says, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a young man, and he's been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. Learn to appreciate your past because it is an indication of what God is going to do in your future. David did not know for a guarantee that he was going to defeat Goliath. Newsflash, some of us maybe think he knew what the way it was. No, he didn't actually. He was a human. There was no angel told him it was going to work out. He trusted because God had delivered him before. If God has delivered you before in anything, any situation, it is a firm indicator of what he's going to do in your future. Because the best, and I say this in social work with the people that I work with, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. So you can guarantee that God's going to work in the future because he can't change. He can't change. Humans can change up and down like a fiddler's elbow, as Andrew would say, but God cannot change. So look at the past, appreciate what he's done in your past, and then know that actually my next giant is just my next fallen giant. My next giant is my next memorial stone. Because if you don't know where you've come from, you don't know where you're going. So you've got to look back and go, actually, that's where I've come from. So therefore, that indicates of where I'm going, okay? Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Learn to appreciate your past. Now, even the world will say that if you focus on the positive, if you think about the things that could happen, then actually that will strengthen that stress response and strengthen you in your life. The world will say that actually that can happen by your actions of belief, but what that is is just trusting in God. They also say that you need to strengthen the pattern of your bravery. Call forth that which has happened before. David reframed the narrative, and for some reason my notes say Dave. Dave reframed the narrative. Oh, Dave. Oh, Davey. David, would you come here and deal with King Saul, would you? Um, David, David, like, like, I don't know why it says Dave. Um, like uh, Caleb and Joshua, had, whenever they were facing their giants, had a different spirit. He had a different spirit to face Goliath. And their different spirit was what they said in Numbers, if the Lord delights in us, he'll give us the land. Does the Lord delight in you this morning? Yes, he does. So he will give you your next giant. As Bill Johnson would say, your next giant will become your bread. That's what he talks about. You'll feed on it. You'll feed on it for days and months and years to come. And God will nourish, give you nourishment from that. Don't forget that faith trusts the future because of what grace has done in your past. Okay? None of us can see the future, but we can call it forth because of what he's done for us. Okay? So trust in that. We haven't even got to the point of actually where he kills Goliath, but um, we, all, we all know about that. But... Um, you will, have, you will have grace at your point of need. Now, we know from this story, I've got about five minutes or so, we will know, and the point of the story, he reaches in, David, and he uses five stones. 
to defeat Goliath. We know about that. The number five, for those who don't know, is the number of grace, okay? The key point here is that David reaches into the brook and pulls out grace, pulls out five stones in his moment of need. He had the stones, he reached in, lifted them out after he'd made the decision to face Goliath. You will have grace at your point of need. You will have grace exactly when you need it, okay? And for some people that's difficult, like the five loaves and the two fish, whenever they give it to Jesus, you would almost be hoping that the miracle has been done before Jesus has got to give the food out. Do you know, at your point of need, at the very moment you need it, that's where you will experience grace. That's where you experience God's faithfulness. His grace works well. Now, the other parts I don't really have the time to go into is that Saul asked him to put on his own armor. Do you remember that? To put on Saul's armor, to be able to use Saul's weaponry. That's what, that's what happened, didn't it? And David says, I can't go, I've not tested them. David trusted in his own anointing, not the armor, okay? Don't trust in the natural, what can happen. Don't trust in your own resources in the natural. Trust in what God has done in your life with the anointing that he's put in your life, okay? So the last bit that we'll say in, in verse 45 in 1 Samuel, this is where David comes face to face with Goliath. And David says, you come at me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you down and cut off your head. And I will give the dead bodies of the host of the Philistines this day to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel and that all this assembly may know that the Lord saves not with the sword and the spear, for the, the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hand. Church, you need to know that he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. He who is in you, what he's deposited in you is greater than anything you're going to face. And I wanna encourage you to stand as we pray here in the next few minutes. Stand firm against whatever your giant or as Maggie said, whatever your wave is in your life and say no longer, Am I going to be enslaved by this? I make the decision that you will rule over this, Jesus. The peace of Christ will rule in my heart over this. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Live by faith and not by sight because the battle is the Lord's. Make that declaration. Do you believe that, church? Think of your situation. The battle is the Lord's. You need to remind yourself of that. You are not meant to be fighting. And if you are fighting, you're fighting in his strength. You're not fighting in your own strength. And for too long, some of us have had our 40-day period of being frozen and wanting to flee from our situation because we don't feel we have the strength. Again, let me remind you, you don't have the strength on your own. The enemy just wants you to think about that like it's important. It's not important. Your strength is in God, okay? Trust in him for that. So as I finish, I just want to remind you again, I wanted to pull this out a bit more time. I may be doing it in the next couple of weeks, but... You need to see Jesus in the text, okay, because he's in the text, okay? Jesus is David in the story because, see the word champion? Champion is someone who stands in between two battle lines, okay? That's what that word is. And Goliath stands on behalf of his people in between two, two armies to be the chosen person. David was the champion who decided, I'm standing on behalf of two peoples to fight and overcome. This is a picture of Jesus in your life and what he does against the enemy. This is what he's done for you. He has secured your eternal salvation. He has got you to be in a place of righteousness where you can experience all of God's blessings because he decided when you and I couldn't do it, we're the Israelites in the story, by the way, when we couldn't do it, 
He said, like David, I'll do it for you. I'll come, I'll live, I'll die as a man. I will accomplish victory over your enemies so that you can just enjoy the blessing of God. This is what happens in the story. The Philistine head, Goliath's head is cut off and all of a sudden the Israelites are boosted in strength and they go and join the battle and they go and enjoy the blessings. This is what God has accomplished for you. In the story, Jesus is David. You and I are the Israelites but we can be David, okay? We can be David with God's strength. So David is the champion. Jesus is our true, true champion. The whole, there's a whole host of things there about what bronze means and iron means, and it's all about punishment. It's all about slavery and how Jesus has overcome that for you. So I just want to throw that in there. When you think about the story of David and Goliath, it is the story of what Jesus has done for you against the enemy. That's what this story is about as well, okay? So face the fear, church face the fear, face whatever the situation is. It will freeze you. You will flee from what you need to face sometimes, but faith moves you toward the root issue. David looked past all of the, the stimuli in front of me. He looked past the nine-foot-tall Goliath. He looked past, looked past the weight of his coat and the bronze and the iron, and he saw what was going on in the spiritual, which is a giant coming against him and saying, I am going to defy the armies of God. And David said, no, God has called me for this purpose. God has called you for a purpose, church, and it is to overcome that which he gives you the strength to deal with. So we're gonna face some stuff again, the fears, the worries, even some of you now are thinking about a few things. Let us face some stuff. In the midst of those fears that are in the natural, they're impossible to overcome. Whenever you have those stress responses, know that Jesus chooses someone like you who can be at times insignificant, up and down, weak-minded, struggling with things. He chooses you to overcome. He chooses you to have the strength of God in your life to deal with these situations. Amen? Amen. So, if you can stand, I want to pray. For, if you can stand, if you can, I want to pray for you just as we will go into worship. Close your eyes and let me pray for you. Um, You know, some of you, your, your 40 days of testing and trial, they're up. Your 40 days are up. They're done. And God comes to you now and says, in my strength, we're going again for those worries, for those fears, for those things that you don't tell anybody, for those things that when you think about them, you have disappointment. When you think about them, you don't want to face them. God says, we're going to face them again because your 40 days, that trial of testing, that anxiety about your future, those fears about your provision, the fears about your health, the fears about that situation, how it's going to work out, the sustained anxiety can stop today. And you can make the decision of, I'm not going to be enslaved by this anymore. I'm going to go again, and despite my resource, despite appearing like I don't have the strength to deal with it, I'm going to say your grace works well in my situation, and I will overcome because you have called me an overcomer. I will have victory because you say that you work all things together for my good. So Father, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you will just bring to our hearts that which you're just pinpointing in our situations, the stuff in our past, the stuff in our present, the stuff that may be in our future. And I declare in Jesus' name, freedom from bondage in your mind over those situations. 
I pray freedom in Jesus' name over your health. I pray freedom over the worries that you have about your provision. I speak life over you that you go again like David did. You reach into the brook and you pull out God's grace at your moment of need. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you for what you're doing in this place. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I just sort of see spiritually as well, people almost standing up, shoulders back, a stiffening of you because for too long your eyes are down thinking about what you don't have. She says, lift your eyes up of what you do have. Lift your eyes up of what I've put in you. You have the strength when you go in my strength. You actually have more than you need. David only needed one stone and he got five. You know, there's a train of thought on that. I'm not so sure how accurate it is, but the train of thought is that David picked five stones because Goliath had four brothers. Um, What God has started in your life, he will bring to completion. If he has defeated one giant, he will defeat them all. You need to hear that in your life. God just doesn't give you lordship and strength and peace over one area of your life. He wants to give it to you over every area of your life. What you started, you will sustain. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. I thank you for that, Jesus. We commit all things to you and we say we're facing it in your strength. Thank you, Jesus, that you are our champion. The middleman who stands between the two, who stood between that and fought for me, that I can have freedom, that I can go and I can declare and declare this with me, church. The battle is the Lord's. In my situation, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. Whatever I will face, he goes ahead of me, he goes for me, he comes behind me, and I will experience his peace. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.